once upon a time they lived in a certain village. A little country girl, the prettiest creature who was ever seen. Her mother was excessively fond of her, and her grandmother dot on her still more. This good woman had a little red riding hood made for her. It suited the girl so extremely well that everybody called her Little Red Riding Hood. One day, her mother had to make some cake. Say to her, Northern Alberta's bitumous sands, a national treasure, are the globe's last great remaining oil field. And we're back here on the Drive Home Show here on CRCO 102.4, where rock is. Joining me as usual this time on Tuesday is Murray the Bruce Brown. He brings us some of the craziest and zaniest news stories from around the world. How are things, Murray? They're very well, Dave. Yourself? Good, great, grand, awesome. So, Murray, what do you have for us this week? Well, neither Canada nor Alberta has a rational plan for the tar sands other than full-scale liquidation. Nations become what they produce. Bitumen, the new national staple, is redefining the character and destiny of Canada. Inadequate environmental rules and monitoring have allowed unsustainable mining to accelerate. Canada now calls itself an emerging energy superpower. In reality, it's nothing more than a third world energy superpower. Getting back to our story, I got this from a friend of a friend. But apparently Environment Canada is investigating incidents of flocks of Canadian geese. Get this, Dave. Cannibalizing each other. Sensational, no? I mean, this should be national news headlines.
I go over the dike, and I take a shot and I make a little hole, get a bit of stink, we cut the scotch in the top, and of course you have head talk about a snare, wire snare, put that on and tie it around the plane, but put that in there, see, and you your snare, when old hair go across, hit it through there, draw that tight around the throat, and it won't die to go. Got him, you see, there's no, no whistling, no shrieking out, because he's in the dike. Yes, Dave, and you don't have to believe me. I mean, I know you don't. I don't. <laughs> so I have on the phone I never with believe us, anything you tell me, Bertie. That's why we have you on the air. This is why I bring in third parties. I have on the phone with us right now an engineer who spent time in his This is CBC News. Welcome back to Your World This Evening. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Tremont. Now, as we told you before the break, our next story deals with the Alberta Health Authority's shocking announcement earlier today that Fort McMurray has been placed under quarantine. The highest ranking medical professional in Alberta's health ministry. Well, I mean, I should say first that there is no reason to panic. The government of Alberta has taken these steps to ensure that everyone remains safe and that we can deal with this issue in the most efficient way possible. After we're already seeing the results of our effort. Now, to answer your question, we don't think this is a flu outbreak per se. We're not sure. We haven't ruled anything out yet. Well, you really haven't given us much here, Dr. Davies. What exactly are you dealing with in Fort McMurray and some of the smaller communities? Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, tonight we will tell the story of a beautiful princess who meets her destiny in the dark embrace of a beast. This story must be met with caution. For in the retelling, her spirit awakens from the dark depths of the night. People coming into the emergency department have presented with a variety of conditions, from some general flu-like symptoms such as nausea and high fevers, to a few more serious cases involving outright psychosis. This could possibly be produced by those fevers. The government decided that it was best if we closed down the area to bring calm and a measure of control to the situation. As for the issue of warning, it was felt that if we gave too much warning, some individuals who may possibly already be infected would uh, leave the area. Well, how concerned are you about that possibility? Well, how concerned are you about that possibility, uh, that the infection may have spread outside the zone currently under quarantine? We aren't overly concerned at this point. However, we are following up with anyone who may have left the area over the last four days or so to advise them to seek medical attention should they feel it. Actually, should any of the listeners be in that situation, we set up a hotline that you can call to get all the information you need about how and when to get checked out. Uh, the listeners can find that number on our website. Getting a gate or anything, he make a row before he died. See, in the head, they know there's a hair in the snail. Just on a day trip to check with the crew that are finishing some work up there for us. Anyways, near the end of the day, around four or so, I think it was. And all of a sudden, we heard this absolute racket, squawking and honking, and then some really terrible shrieks. (laughs) 
We looked over, and there was a group of geese, um, maybe four or so, just viciously attacking two other geese. I mean, it, it wasn't even really a fight. These geese were just going after each other. Really, there was bones, sinew, and feathers strewn everywhere. It was really shocking. Um, Brian Murray, correct me if I'm wrong here, but... Canadian geese, aren't these the same geese that brought down that plane over the Hudson? The possibility that we're looking at some sort of terrorist geese training camp up at Fort McMurray? <laughs> oh, well, well, I don't know anything about that. Okay, well, uh, maybe we should stop right there. We don't want to go scaring up trouble about this. Indeed. Well, thank you for your time, Brian. Uh, yeah, no problem. Bye now. There's an old German tale, an ancient German Harsh content was censored, morphing dark fables into happy endings. Amongst the stories, years. there is a first. She because with stories, there is a beginning and an end. This story, as a stranger, was the first. The chopping wood, while her father hunted and cooked the meals for the little family. The little girl had a very peaceful and childhood. Because at River Wall, you see, why keep the mouth off a River Wall? But he, he'd go through the River Wall to the river, then the water come through, that keep adding through, keep making it bigger and bigger. I call it a lake. But now, a nail, you wouldn't think you'd go to the middle of it to get a nail down in the bank. Herein, I ask from the Holy Graces. From Heimdall's sons, both high and low. Thou wilt, Valfather, that well I relate old tales I remember of men long ago. I remember yet the giants of yore who gave me bread in the days gone by. Nine worlds I knew, the nine in a tree, with mighty roots beneath the mold. Broadcasting Corporation with International News Daily. I'm your host, Nick Turner. Our first story this hour deals with escalating violence in the western provinces of Canada. Today, the Canadian government announced a state of national emergency and informed NATO that it would be withdrawing its troops from Afghanistan to deal with the going on there in western Canada. That's exactly the question we're all asking ourselves here in Canada as well, Nick. What we know is essentially this. The uh, unrest appears to have started about six days ago when an unusual number of people began presenting themselves to the emergency department of the Northern Lights Hospital in Fort McMurray. What exactly all these people are experiencing remains unknown. We've been hearing everything like minor flu symptoms, fever and nausea, all the way to extreme aggression, stories of people actually attacking their loved ones, medical professionals, and um, military and police officers. It's all been... Um, I could just interrupt you, Jamie. Sorry, you, these are rather severe symptoms. What, what seems to be the government's response at this stage? 
Well, Nick, originally the Canadian government believed it had managed to contain the spread of the disturbance to Northern Something glimmered in the grass just a little. Metallic. She moved closer, inched closer, and she realized that it was a box. A metal box that looked like it had seen many, many days. After cautiously picking it up, she tried to open it but couldn't. So she turned the box around and around and around until finally she found a little box. It was locked. Her eyes traced the ground near where the box was found, and there, half hidden by brush, something else glimmered. As you mentioned at the outset, I'm currently in Thunder Bay, and from my hotel room window, I can see flares burning where the military has set up the latest barricade, marking the outer limits of the no-go zone. Wow, disturbing indeed. Uh, There's a number of things I'd like to ask you, Jamie, but first, I I want to focus on the origins of all this. I'm not sure what to call it. Perhaps the word epidemic might be appropriate in this instance. You've told us it started in northern Alberta, which, of course, for our Australian listeners, is a well-known site of large... Mystery and intrigue, all locked up. Now, just around the time the Grimm brothers collected their stories, something else was being collected for the first time. Mere decades before the birth of the 20th century, the following was recorded. Many believe Thomas Edison was the first person to capture sound. The first time a unique sound had the chance of a second breath. But less than two years ago, this recording was discovered, captured in France by Edward Scott. The tinker, Edward dreamed of a way to capture sound visually. The tiny needle, acting as a pen, reacted to the vibrations of sounds, writing them onto papers and plumes of smoke for The sounds of singing, singing the, the barking, barking of a dog, of a dog and, and Edward's own voice. These smooth drawings of sound waves would become the journals of symphonies that went around the world. Its only trace was its a only trace echo was a distorted around a large enclosed around space, a large enclosed or the space, memory imprinted or the, the memory imprinted on the minds of the listener. Welcome to my home. Ho ho! We'll have so much fun. Oh. 
what can be made of the allegations that are floating around at this stage that this is indeed a terrorist attack meant to cripple the US oil supply heading into the winter at a time particularly when tensions with Venezuela and other OPEC states are extremely high. Right. Well, Nick, that's something that remains to be seen. Um, many here that are familiar with what's happening inside these provinces, and I should mention that the provinces under quarantine at present are Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, and the interior of British Columbia. Many have said that they cannot see any way that this is linked with terrorism. On the other hand, the Prime Minister of Canada addressed that theory earlier today in a nationwide broadcast that accompanied the, the enacting of the emergency powers legislation. He stated, and I quote, We do not yet know the exact source or nature of the very interesting words from the Prime Minister of Canada. Actually, we're going to hear momentarily an excerpt from that speech uh, here on the program. Uh, now, we're running out of time, Jamie, unfortunately, but first, uh, could you just tell us what the mood is like there in Thunder Bay? Yes, Nick, to be honest, I would say the pervading feeling is one of of unreality, the speed with which this infection, um, or whatever it is, has spread, combined with the little to no detail about what is actually going on, that along with, of course, the violence that appears to have accompanied its spread, well, it's left everyone here just a little bit shell-shocked. However, I think the announcement earlier today that the U.S. border would be locked down by American military, that's really caught people's attention. Since that time, I would say about half the population of Thunder Bay has left headed east, and I can see more packing up their cars as we speak. Interesting. It seems this story is certainly not going to go away, and there's much to discuss later on, but unfortunately, we're out of time here. Thank you very much, Jamie. We will be speaking to you again very soon, I'm sure, and uh, certainly stay safe out there. I will do it. Thank you. Bridges connecting the island of Montreal to the north, south, east, and west are indefinitely closed. A curfew of 7 p.m. is now in place. Any residents outside after that time will be taken into custody. Each household has been allotted an inoculation kit. The kits can be found at your local CLSC or the military post in your community. Due to the large number of hospital admittances, citizens are being asked to administer the shots themselves. The government asks to avoid any communication with any person or institution west of Quebec. This includes friends and loved ones, federal government agencies, or businesses. Stay tuned to your radio for important... Brian. Uh, yeah, no problem. Bye now. I, uh, I promise you the crazy stuff. I deliver you the crazy stuff. Well, thanks, Murray. No problem, Dave. So remember, folks, Murray the Moose Brown is down to the Dog Days Tavern on Tuesdays hosting our weekly Hockey Wings Night, where hopefully this week at least they will not be serving meat. Hello? Hello? Hey! Hey, how's it going? Bye-bye! Uh, 
Nathalie. Alors, je vous confirme votre rendez-vous. Mmh. Si vous devez annuler, je vous prie de nous contacter 24 heures à l'avance. Mmh. C'est un problème. Euh, ok, ok, merci beaucoup. Children, especially attractive, well-bred young ladies, should never talk to strangers. For if they should do so, they may well provide dinner for a wolf. And I say wolf, but there's some various kind of wolves. There are also those who are charming, quiet, polite, unassuming, complacent, and sweet, who will pursue young women at home and in the street. And, unfortunately, it is those gentle wolves who are the most dangerous ones of all.